He fights for progress. He lives for the future. First hitting the scene over 25 years ago, he built out the IT programs of Fortune 500 companies. Today, he pioneers the protection of personal data and is a steward of truth and transparency. Without further ado, please welcome Gregory McDonald, host of Unfiltered. Yeah, how about that intro music? I, I absolutely love it. It is, it is fantastic. My name is Gregory McDonald, host of Gregory McDonald Unfiltered, the podcast that brings you the news and information from inside the land title industry, settlement services industry, the legal industry, mortgage and financial industries as well. We do it with an unfiltered approach. We're going to tell it how it is, and we're not going to hold back. And that's what makes uh, this particular podcast uh, different from everyone else. It makes it informative, and it gives you a highly, highly uncensored view of the things that uh, matter most uh, to you in the professional world. Uh, we have a busy show coming up, uh, but first let me introduce my co-host, uh, Roland DeBeau. Hello, everyone. Hey, Roland. Uh, we have a busy show coming up today. We have um, 30 minutes up close and personal with Erica Meyer. And for those of you that don't know, Erica Meyer is the CEO and uh, publisher with October Research as her company. She publishes uh, reports and publications such as the title report, RESPA News, the legal description, Dodd-Frank Update, and Valuation Review. So very successful, and we look forward to having her on the show uh, to really get to know Erica uh, at a personal level. Uh, professional level and hear what's uh, coming up with uh, NS3, uh, one of the uh, major events that October Research and Erica hold uh, every year uh, for folks in in really many different industries. And that's kind of what makes it unique is they they blend um, a wide variety of industries together, whether it's mortgage, settlement services, uh, there's builders. Uh, really, uh, it, it's a great event. We're, we're going to get to know Erica uh, at a much deeper level later in the show. Uh, also coming up, we're going to talk about our favorite organization, Alta, and uh, there's some there's some news today about them, and also the 800-pound uh, gorilla in the room these days is what's going on in Baltimore. It looks like 1,500 closings have been postponed indefinitely due to some ransomware attack in Baltimore, and... Um, I, uh, I don't really know how they're handling that, but we're, we're going to take a, a much deeper dive into that um, later in the show. Uh, but first, I received an email yesterday, which is, which is pretty interesting. I got an email from Alta, and they were saying that uh, we, we need to beware. And I think this is good that we talk about this, because apparently there's some bad folks out there that are spoofing membership emails. So if you're a member of Alta, thinking of becoming a member of Alta, or, or just uh, in the industry, you may have received an email that appears to be originating from them. And of course, it um, has a PDF attachment on it, and we all know not to open suspicious attachments, and, and, and really God only knows what's going to happen if you open the, uh, the bad email. But you know, Alta did not send the email. Basically, there's people spoofing them. And they, uh, they put out a little blurb on their website warning people to delete the email. Uh, then they say to block the sender's email address and IP address. But I think there's probably one problem with that, Roland. Uh, what would that be, Greg? Well, Alta's telling us to block the IP and the sender of the email that's really kind of sending out malware or viruses, whatever they're doing. But they don't provide the damn name of the email address or the domain or the IP address. So how are you going to tell people to, to, to block malicious emails pretending to be Alta when you don't even tell them what to block? Well, that's after half your company's clicked on it. Then you'll have the address from the actual email. Is that what I have to do? I have to wait until I get this thing? Hope that I read the news and then and, and block what? What am I blocking? How, how am I even going to do that? Exactly. That sounds um, 
Sounds a little strange to me, um, but uh, you know what? What do I know, right? That's that's how we get on here and we talk about it. We we say what what, what you feel and want to say, but um, probably for professional reasons, won't. So well, I'll say it. Alta's pretty damn stupid for 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 not going a little bit more um, uh, proactive approach on this, especially considering we don't even know what the payload is, or at least I don't. It, well, I think that goes on the heels of another posting from yesterday on the 23rd that was a survey that was done by Alta's data and analysis work group which they have one of those yeah I googled it and I couldn't find anything other than a blank posting for an event that's going to happen in October for the work group but I did try to find out who is part of the the members of the data analysis work group and what I found is that they did a survey with 700 agents nationwide. I participated in the survey. You did? Nope. Oh. More than 75% of the title professionals didn't conduct simulated phishing tests. And according to the survey conducted by Alta's Data and Analytics Workgroup, there was 11% of the respondents conducted monthly testing and only 6% performed email tests. Well, I, I can probably tell you which companies that actually did this. The underwriters? The underwriters, obviously, the bigger ones. Uh, it, you know, it goes on the hills. The FBI also reported, noted in this, that, you know, 11,300 people suffered from losses of $150 million due to wire fraud in 2018. So, looking through the information, where do I go from here? Okay, well, I understand that 70% or 7, 75% of the, of the industry don't do anything about it, right? But it's a huge problem. So what do you do? But I saw a link, actually a couple links in this article or this this news release. I don't know if it was a blog post, press release, or what have you, that there was some links to a compliance webinar. And after clicking through the links, they wanted to charge me $100 to listen to three, basically three vendors to listen to how to prevent this or what the solution is for this. So I said, okay, well, let me go check out these vendors. So I went to the marketplace. What marketplace? Well, there's the Alta Marketplace. I, I This is a place where where the industry goes to find solutions Okay. for different problems. I clicked on the search result, clicked on the button for phishing or anti-phishing, and there's probably a dozen listings here, but none of those providers that are on the compliance workshop are actually listed in the marketplace. So they're selling a webinar that a title agent would pay $100 to attend, which I'm guessing, because we, 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 we don't want to accuse anyone, we, we're, I'm going to speculate, is a commercial for three vendors. And those three vendors aren't even listed in the marketplace as having competencies in this area. Yeah, that's what it appears like to me. Oh, well, you better screenshot that in case anyone accuses me of uh, lying or making this up because we're, we're really, we do our best to report the truth here. So, <laughs> I don't, what, do you, what, do you, what do you well, think of that? What do, what do you make of this? I mean, the one, I guess, a saving grace is they did provide a link to the FBI's website for other resources to possible free resources as far as phishing awareness and what have you. But, but you know, last time I checked, I mean, we've... Can you call the guy at the FBI yeah, and ask him a question? I, I don't think so. I, I don't think it works like that. But, you know, it goes back to some of the things we, we were talking about in the last podcast is really what the appetite. I mean, I have found through... I mean, I must talk to hundreds of titles professionals and their appetite to spend money... On these type of services is very little, three, four dollars a user, but yet you want to charge a hundred dollars to hear on what you need to buy, which you're probably not going to buy. Which you're probably not going to buy. I don't know, Greg. Hey, well, well they, they, they <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I'm not going to speculate on what are what wheels spin behind closed doors. But, um, you know, I got to say, I personally, I'm, I'm getting a little fed up with Alta about this type of stuff. You know, we, um, we have a schedule of events that, that we go to as a company, um, one of my companies anyway. And uh, we're going to Texas Land Title Association in Austin, Alta 1 in Austin, 
Mortgage Bankers Association in Austin. So I guess they picked a good location because everyone else in the industry, whether it's Mortgage Bankers or TLTA, everyone's having their convention this year in Austin, with the exception of NS3, which is in Phoenix. But, you know, I take it more at a personal level. You know, I like to exhibit at these events, and um, I can't even get the booth that I want because there's a, I don't know, maybe you have to be an elite provider in order to get first selection, which, you know, I believe involves spending money, right? It's all about money, I guess, right? And... um, you know, I want to get a good booth selection at these events, and they'll say, okay, well, Thursday the 5th of never, uh, exhibitor registration opens. And then you look at it, and um, all the good booths are already taken. It's, it's like with the lanyards. You, do you think I'm ever going to be able to sponsor a lanyard, or is Soft Pro going to have the exclusive lanyard sponsorship in, in, until Armageddon? <laughs> That's true. I've got a collection of those, and I, know, I think every one of them. They're all soft pro lanyards. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, is, is, is it pay to play? I, I don't know. I, I don't even know what to say. So, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be sponsoring the elevators this year at all to one. Um, if they even want to, I'm not going to go, but uh, if they, if they want to let us go after hearing this podcast, um, we're going to be sponsoring the elevators. Uh, because I can never get the booth I want. You know, if you, you, you got to be on the special insider's, you know, president's list uh, and, and, I, and, you know, pay the, uh, maybe you can be elite and, and get, a, get a fun little sticker for your website. And, uh, and then you get a good booth selection. But if I, you know, if I can't get a good booth, then you know what? I'm going to piss, moan, and groan like a little kid who spilled his chocolate milk. Well, and, and I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to make my customers or prospective customers you know, go to the corner of the exhibit hall next to the men's room uh, because I can't you know, get a good booth because they're, they're reserved for the, for the favorites. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, and, you know, over the course with Mortgage Fish, and let's just, let's just throw this out here, we signed up in January to be in the marketplace. I corresponded back and forth, willing to do anything for the industry. I'll do free webinars, free awareness. Not not $100? Not $100. And actually signed up to be on several committees and never received a single response. Well, well, how about this? I'm going to tell you right now. It did take them two weeks to send me a receipt for my membership. Well, guess what? I'm, uh, I'm on the technology committee at Alta. I'm on the best practices task force at Alta. And you may not have known this, Roland. I was the very first chairman of the subcommittee on network security or cybersecurity. Well, guess what? Hear this up. I quit. I don't want anything to do with these committees anymore because, um, well, I don't know. You, you figure it out. I'm not going to question anyone's competence. Although I do have a customer on the technology committee that wanted to move their email to Office 365, had no idea how to do it, called my company at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday because this member of the technology committee is so technologically aware they can't move their own damn email without calling my company for help. Amazing. Well, I guess that's what you get. So no more Alta for me. I'm done. And... and, and <laughs> I wasn't planning on doing it, but the more I think about it, just, you know, quote-unquote live on the podcast, I'm, I'm not doing it. You know, I, I, I'm not doing it. And um, what, what, what can I say? So the, the, the news is is that uh, the phishing is a big deal. Phishing is a problem, so much so that people are uh, pretending to be various trade organizations, pretending to be various companies. In this case, someone's out there pretending to be Alta, and uh, we don't even know what IP address or email account to, to block. Could you, you, you want to know something funny, Roland? We probably host around 30,000 mailboxes for the land title industry. I do at CloudStar. If someone would have just told me, hey, block this address, and I don't know what percentage of the title industry whose mail I host, but I could That's have a, quite a bit. blocked these phishing emails myself in order to protect our customers. But I guess, it, I don't know, maybe it's a secret. I, I don't even know what to say. I'm at a, such a loss of words. You know, my goal is to put the customer first, do the right thing, uh, not charge for this information, and um, yeah, you know what, I'm gonna, I, at the end of this podcast, Roland, I'm going to be the asshole. Yeah, I left Roland speechless. It's I didn't your, even know what to say. It's your party. 
Well, anyway. well I, think in, I think in that spirit, you know, what we're planning to do, just to kind of tout NS3, for anyone that comes and sees us at our fishing hole, and we'll talk a little bit more about that pretty amazing thing we're doing at NS3, we'll receive a free anti-fishing plug-in. And this is something we haven't announced, only you in the actual listening to this podcast know about it provide each individual or each company with a very very cool piece of technology that we'll be giving away for free so this is technology that actually will help safeguard information it will it will so if you see a suspicious email whether it comes from alta or comes from anyone else you'll essentially highlight it click the mortgage fish button we will analyze that email for you in real time and provide you a threat score unbelievable yep neat stuff and you don't have to put your credit card in afterwards and pay for it do you no three yeah that's that's what we're doing that's what we're giving back but yet no one will listen to us well you know uh, that's what really really pisses me off we're out here we're, we're trying to do the right thing right i actually care you know, I, I got rich off this industry. I, I want to give something back. I want to do the right thing. And um, I, I, I don't even know what to say. Either either people don't want to listen or there's a, there's a political agenda. Uh, certain groups of people uh, meet <laughs> meet under the bleachers for a, a bottle of scotch, <laughs> and, uh, and that's where the business is done. You know, I, I'm not, I, I don't want to have anything to do with that. I just don't. So I will sponsor the elevators at Alta One. Um, why not? Maybe you'll see them. Maybe you don't. And uh, and that's it. But you know, speaking of just speaking of, of a general indifference and, and not wanting to be prepared, I think that's a good segue in, in, into what's going on at, at Baltimore. And um, I actually have a letter here, right here. What you got, Craig? Well, Who's it from? Uh, the letter is from the Congress of the United States of America. What would they want? Well, they're writing. They're writing two individuals. They are writing the Honorable James Murray, who, if you didn't know, Roland, is the director of the United States Secret Service, and the Congress is also writing the Honorable Christopher. I don't know how to say this. Ray, Rye, Ray. Yeah who's the director of the FBI. And the, the letter basically says here that, um, you know, they're, they're writing to express our appreciation for the hard work of the Federal Bureau of Investigation and the Secret Service in responding to the ongoing ransomware attack against the city of Baltimore and to request a briefing once the attack and subsequent investigations conclude. As you know, this attack has caused significant disruptions to the daily operations of the city services delaying at least 1,500 pending home sales and affecting how residents pay bills and other obligations. So I, I don't even know what to say to that. So this is, I think, another example of... Well, maybe they didn't watch the $100 webinar. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's it. I mean, this is probably one of, the, one of the larger conundrums in ransomware in recent history. I know Atlanta last year went through it. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's what the trend is. It's, it's, weak, it's attack on weak infrastructure. And uh, all the stats are really stacked against anything right now as far as, as state and local government and also small business, which is 76% of the attack surface. But this has been going on for two weeks. And, uh, you know, it's not just the, you know, the 1,000 or 1,500 pending home sales. We're talking about... The city's voicemail, property tax portal, water bill system, parking tickets. I mean, it's a huge issue. And uh, I think the attacker's original uh, ransom was 13 bitcoins. What's that, Greg? 100 grand, 125,000? I think a bitcoin's $8,000, so yep. you know, a little over 100 grand maybe. With, but, with fees and transfer taxes and, and, and the other stuff that's involved in cryptocurrency. Well, I think the funny thing is, is, is you listen to the to the letter that Greg read. Okay, when it's all dead, said and done, we'd like to brief with you. But you've got a mayor and a city councilman that are forced, do we pay the ransom or do we end up like Atlanta? And I think it was last year, I don't remember, it was November, December. 
and it was a original ransom in Atlanta. I think was two point five or two point six million. They didn't pay the ransom, and had to go into some very expensive uh, data recovery efforts. And I think their total now is up to two. It's up to twenty million. No, it's the other way around. Yes, the original ransom in Atlanta was fifty two thousand. It's very small, and now they're up to almost. Two million or three million? It was 20, 20 million to recover. Twenty million to recover. So you know you got the FBI saying don't pay the ransom, but the reality is, you know the costs escalate from there. And it, it, what's what's really ironic is how do you categorize these ransomware attacks on municipalities? I mean, you look at um, you know natural events, hurricanes, tornadoes. You've got FEMA for that. You know, but the government, it's kind of strange, really hasn't reacted to say, okay, there's this assistance here. I mean, all these municipalities, it's kind of the same along the lines of small businesses, don't have the funding and they don't have the infrastructure and resources to protect themselves. And it's not about going out and spending millions of dollars on cybersecurity products. It's about the $100 webinars or $100 webinars. It's about, okay, our operating systems, half of them are out of, out of, out of date. We don't have antivirus properly deployed on all systems. We don't have the money, time, or resources. And it, it's the same thing in small business. There's no difference. Well, there's no testing of backups. You know, how many yeah. people, uh, we've talked about it before, how many people test their backups they, uh, for recovery? How long is it going you know, maybe, to Maybe everything is backed up, but it's going to take a month and a half to restore it. You know, that, that could be a component of this that no one's talking about. It's very possible. But, yeah, you know, uh, a tornado can level a city. A hurricane can level a city. A flood can come in, let's say, to Houston. And you're going to have uh, money and resources pouring in from everywhere. And people understand that. They, you know, it's, it's, it's physical. It's tangible. You, you know, if the roof leaks, you understand it. But if a city is brought to its knees by ransomware, well, I, I don't know. And maybe that's the psychological connection to why we don't see people protecting their organizations the way they should it's that it's never going to happen to me attitude that is a that is a real 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 big problem so i i guess we're gonna we'll have to wait and see what happens to the uh the folks out there in baltimore and uh you know maybe it's good maybe you need things like this as a a, a wake-up call but you know, along with the wake-up call, it's it's what is the leadership of these industries going to do? W- what are the underwriters going to do? What are the lenders going to do? What are the organizations going to do? I mean, if, if the answer is, hey, we have three people that I don't know, maybe they sponsored a webinar, maybe they didn't sponsor a webinar, maybe you just have three or four random companies that are in the industry and we put them all on the phone together and talk about it. You know, I, I, again, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what they did. I'm not trying to. Uh, uh, cast aspersions as they say but um is, is that really the solution for this uh, i don't i don't think so well i mean if you look at the basic things in which all the industries have been talking about that the number one point of entry for these things are phishing attacks right i mean it's 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 human nature to click on things in the in that survey alta put out 75 percent of title professionals don't conduct phishing tests or provide any type of training I mean that's a that's a that's an industry problem. Yeah, and, and it pisses me off. Why, why won't they pay for protection or training or anything? Oh, I can't pay five dollars a computer. I need that money. That's a lot of money. But but I bet you're driving a nice car. Exactly. I bet you don't have a problem going on a golf trip or a vacation or whatever. But God forbid you spend a little bit of money to prevent a catastrophe, which will, by the way, happen. It's gonna happen. There are going to be so many people listening to the sounds of my voice, so many people in these different industries that are brought to their knees. And let me ask you this. What makes you, what makes you so special that you're not going to be brought down? Do you, do you have the resources that Baltimore has? Do you have the budget that Baltimore has? Do you have the IT departments and consultants that Atlanta hired? No. So you're screwed because if these big... Big governments and big corporations that are down for days and down for weeks that really have unlimited money and limited resources, if they can't solve the problem, what the hell are you going to do? You're done. And yet, so many people, they don't take it serious. And therein lies the anger and, and quite frankly, the venom behind my voice. I'm sitting here watching vulnerable people 
just sitting there stupid because they don't know they're vulnerable, they don't care, and they don't want to spend the money, and yet we see on the news every day that it, that it just cripples right down to the everyday people, right? Right down to those 1,500 families that can't close on property. Oh, my God. I saw one news clip where it was just this poor family. They were screwed. I mean, they were literally, they cl- they closed, couldn't close on their house. They Their landlord basically booked another family into the rental and these people are in a hotel for how long who knows with kids yeah right i mean it's horrible yeah well you know these are things that we need to talk about these are things that need to be taken seriously and you know what everyone makes the politically correct attempt at at talking about it we don't want to scare people roland we don't want to be too upset. We don't want to be too emotional. You know, we don't want to do anything. It's like having a fire drill where, where you mute the fire bells because they're too loud and they might offend people or hurt their ears or whatever it is. You know, we have problems and we got to talk about them and we, we can't pussyfoot about it. No, I mean, if this problem is so bad, why aren't anybody lobby, lobbying to make this mandatory in the financial industry that, that you have to provide these safeguards? Uh, that's a good question. You know, there, there's ways of doing it. There's tax incentives when they roll out the Affordable Care Act. Um, we'll, we'll keep our opinions of that to ourselves. We're, we're not going to get political about that. But when they roll out the Affordable Care Act, you know, otherwise known as Obamacare, uh, what they did is they offered a pretty hefty tax incentive. I think it was forty, fifty thousand dollars for the uh, five years before implementation, in order to give organizations the money they need to scan and, and convert their, their physical paper records into electronic health records, electronic medical records, in order to do that. And uh, if you were an early adopter, you got a really good tax break. If you were a late adopter, you got a small tax break. If you didn't adopt, you got fined. And I, that sometimes that's the only way to push people into the future. And, and, and those, are, those are health records, right? Those are, that's the digitization of health records. What we're talking about arguably, is, is, is even more serious. We're talking about ransomware, malware, phishing attacks that could bring down everything within that organization. There, there's no hospital today. It's offline. So uh, something needs to get done. I don't know where the leadership is in this. I, I don't see it. You know, I feel like I'm talking to deaf ears. And you know what? I'm fine. That makes no difference to me. But when you're out there trying to help people and say, look, um, these are some of the steps that you should take uh, in order to protect your data, ensure uptime, uh, keep doing what you do every day, uh, and uh, you get you kind of have this you know, just I don't care attitude. That's a problem, and um, the, the the response just hasn't been strong enough anywhere. And uh, and I'm ranting about it because it's my show, and I can do it. And I really don't care. Roland doesn't rant as much. He's a little bit more politically correct than I am. So in any event, um, we're going to take a break. And when we come back from the break, we are going to hear um, from Erica Meyer, CEO and publisher of October Research. And she runs the uh, NS3 events. She's the publisher of the title report, Respa News, The Legal Description, Dodd Frank update and the valuation review. I think I've read all of them other than the valuation review. Great, great publications. And I know that Erica takes, takes this seriously. She does. So we'll see you after the break. This episode of Gregory McDonald Unfiltered is brought to you by. Wire fraud is running rampant. Cybercrime is on the rise. And phishing emails? We all know someone who's been a victim. Don't just sit there doing nothing. Fight back with MortgageFish. MortgageFish trains your team to spot, identify, and remediate dangerous emails, stopping fraud and data theft before it happens. When you partner with MortgageFish, your staff will receive legitimate phishing emails custom tailored for your industry. We will identify who clicks and provide the necessary online security training, arming your staff with both the knowledge and experience to defend against the latest attacks. Do not become another statistic. Take action now to prevent cybercrime from crippling your organization. Contact us online at www.mortgagefish.com to learn about programs designed to protect title agents, law firms, lenders, and more. That's www.mortgagephish.com. 
Welcome back to Gregory McDonald Unfiltered. Here's your host, Gregory McDonald. All right, today we're joined uh, by Erica Meyer, who's the CEO and publisher at October Research. How are you doing today, Erica? I'm doing well, doing well. Thank you. Excellent, excellent. Many of us may know Erica as the organizer, uh, owner, coordinator, uh, many different hats of NS3, which is the National Settlement Services Summit. It's an event that's held every year. I think um, many, many people, myself included, enjoy uh, going to the event. Uh, we look forward to it. In a different, uh, in, excuse me, we don't add it much around here, so we're just going to go with it. In addition to the event, Erica also publishes several uh, different publications, the Title Report, RESPA News, the Legal Description, Dodd-Frank Update, and Valuation Review. So let's get started. Um, what's, what's the history of October Research? I think a lot of people know who you are, but maybe you could give us a brief description of, of uh, the founding of October Research uh, and um, the, the mission when it was started. What was the mission and how did that get started? Okay. Uh, yeah, October Research was started by Joe Casa back in 1999, as well as his son, Chris Casa. And they, Joe had worked in the title industry and realized that there was no news source for or source for education for the entire industry out there. So uh, Joe set out and opened uh, or started the publication, the title report. That's our backbone. That's our flagship publication back in 1999, which we will be celebrating our 20-year anniversary this year. Um, so we've been around for quite some time, and uh, just it's evolved over the years. Um, you know, and it's a lot of people refer to the title report as the Wall Street Journal of the title industry. So we really strive to provide education. It's not about news or headlines or clicks um, of drama. It's about educating the industry and getting the information right so that everybody can operate their businesses more efficiently and effectively. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's about growing your business. Excellent. Excellent. You know, I remember myself personally, I, uh, I owned a company that I co-founded in the late 90s. And we, we were consultants to underwriters. So um, I did a lot of the work myself, and I would be sitting on people's computers. And, of course, their email would be open. And, you, you know, you don't look at someone's email, but when it's your job to fix their email or they need maybe they need help locating an email or sorting or backing it up, you know, you tend to see things. And, um, you know, from the early 2000s when I was, when I was very involved, I, I did always see a lot of prominent figures reading uh, the title report uh, emails that, that have been sent out by October Research. That, that always kind of stuck in my head. Uh, you know, I, uh, I, I got started just generally in computers, and then I gravitated towards the title industry, and that was a name that I kept, that I kept seeing, you know, the title report. And uh, people, obviously, even, even when you started, there, there must have been a pretty uh, widespread and, and quick adoption um, of that, you know, people really yearning to know more and uh, to, to get the, the news and information. And then, as I started um, a little further in my career, when I when I started my current company, I remember I think that I was interviewed. This is a long time ago, and I have no idea <laughs> what it was about. And I'll never forget the day I was speaking with a gentleman by the name of Fritz Lesher who was with AccuTitle at the time, and we were talking about CFPB as something that, that may happen. And, <laughs> that um, may happen? <laughs> <laughs> that, that may happen, right? It, it may happen. And um, I said, yeah, you know, um, I was interviewed by somebody. And he said, who? And um, I said, uh, I think it was in the title report. And Fritz was, uh, was saying, oh, well, October Research, that, that's huge. Uh, and I'm, I, I didn't really know. I felt like I was just interviewed for the New York Times. And, you know, so those are some of my earliest memories of October research and the title report was just, you know, seeing it out there 
in the mailboxes of so many people uh, in the underwriter space. And then you know, one day when I was mentioned in it for, for, for whatever reason, and I was talking to people, it was like, oh, wow, yeah, that's, that's October Research. They're big. Um, so I, I guess when, when you make it big in the title industry, you, you know it because uh, uh, you're, you're talked about or your subject is talked about uh, in the title <laughs> report. So I think that speaks volumes to your success and, and how relevant those, those publications are. So, you know, if we're celebrating um, you know, the 20th anniversary, um, you know, that's a long time. You know, what do you think has changed uh, from when it was started? Um, Till now, both in the industry and, and how the the title report on October Research is is driven, and uh, has does the mission changed at all, or is it is it the same? And, and what do you really see is is uh, that that advancement over twenty years? Um, so, from an industry perspective, you know what we're being asked to do has changed drastically, and you know what's funny is. The HUD forms have changed so many times over the years that I actually, when I came into the industry and bought October Research in 2011, I went back to the forms um, from buying houses over the years and had to see what the difference was that everybody was talking about. So it was fun coming into the industry and, um, you know, rolling out with TRID and all the new paperwork, the way things have evolved. Um, you know, the title report was the core product. You know, additional uh, products were launched over the years. The legal description, RESPA news, uh, valuation review, and most recently the Dodd-Frank update. And, you know, since the very beginning, we really wanted to be, as an organization, the education source. And, you know, we want to have, we have different platforms, whether you prefer to read the content in print, online, or whether it's attending a webinar or attending a live conference. Everybody consumes uh, information in different ways. So, um, you know, and, and that's constantly evolving, and we're looking at new platforms and things to do in the near future uh, to enable people to, you know, consume that that information. So, you know, the environment these days, um, with the way that the next generation of consumers were all reading about uh, the millennials and the way they are shaking things up, and I just, it's been an exciting time to be part of the industry. I came in at 2011, you know, right after that thing that may happen, the Dodd-Frank, or the CFPB. Right. Um, came in with that, and then this whole TRID thing, and now with the millennials, and, and the way the, the we're moving to a paperless environment, the way that everything's going E. Um, it's just, it's an exciting time to be part of the industry with the way things are changing. You know, technology used to be a nice to have, now it's a have to have. It's all about operational efficiencies and eliminating clicks along the way. And, you know, cybersecurity is just scary. It's not getting any easier. It's only going to get worse. And, and, you know, that's something that the industry just has to stay on top of. Do you think, and, and let's be honest, um, uh, maybe you do, maybe you don't, do you think the industry as a general does a good enough job when it comes to cybersecurity? I think there are some players in the industry that are doing a phenomenal job, but I think there's a lot of opportunity to move forward. I, I think sometimes we have a tendency to sit back until one of those bad things happen to us. Um, you know, it, we're reactive instead of being proactive. But I think there's, it, it's all over the news. We're writing about it all the time. Um, it's becoming a reality, but I, I think that's one of the things that we all need to look at and continually focus on, develop. It should be a number one priority within every organization. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, and it's, I think one of the challenges could be that, you know, how do you make that interesting, too? Um, especially, you know, perhaps from where you sit, you you need to have content that's engaging. That's, of course, it's relevant. Of course, it's important. But sometimes, you know, people are like, ah, oh, here's the cybersecurity thing again. Here's the wire fraud, and that you know, that can definitely be a challenge when something is so important to um, to to make it interesting. And I think you guys do a very good job of that. And I was just. 
reading the uh, today actually that um, you know hackers have sent ransomware to the city of Baltimore, and mm-hmm. Baltimore has been unable to perform lien searches, record deeds, conduct closings for going about about two weeks. And about 1,500 closings have been postponed uh, due to the the tragedy and the the ransom attack there. So it's definitely, you know, it's definitely an important um, topic for sure. And um, so so going going paperless, uh, you had mentioned is something that you that you really see is. Would you say that that's going to be the next big? thing, if you will. So if we rewind back the clock, CFPB and TRID, uh, TILA, Dodd-Frank reforms, those those are some b- pretty big things. And people really, um, I think they were scared. It was like, we're going to pay attention because we, we, we need to. Um, do you right. feel there's going to be the same level of engagement in moving towards uh, the electronicization, I, I know I just made that word up, but it's, you know, moving everything <laughs> electronic and paperless. Um, do you think that there's going to be the same amount of fear, interest, enthusiasm in that change? Because I think you're right. It is, it is kind of what's what's next. Yeah, I, I don't know that it's fear. I think it's more being proactive and looking at you know the interest rates with where they're at and where can you save um, time and money to be um, efficient and you know technology enables that and going to an e-world and you know reducing every one of those clicks and you know so many people go to their lenders if you can go to your lender and say i can utilize technology and save you x amount of dollars off of every closing because i'm an e you know i'm an e-company that's going to put elevate you and your organization above others that are still manually doing it and not utilizing the tools out there. So I, I, I think it's really a competitive advantage for those that are are ahead of the curve on that in that space. That makes a lot. That makes a lot of sense, Erica. And I think that you know what what we see is that any type of change can be good if it's harnessed and positioned as a competitive advantage. You know, I know I saw it with Dodd-Frank. You had companies that maybe they stood by and they didn't do much, but you you had other companies, maybe more forward-thinking companies, that says, you know what, we're, we're going to compete by leveraging compliance. We're going to compete, um, in this case, um, like you're saying, taking the going electronic um, I'm not going to use the word electronicization again, but by going paperless, <laughs> going electronic, um, if you know the, the the business-minded people by by embracing that and and using it as a way to compete, you know, that that's smart. And um, I think that you know everyone's in business, but not everyone is a business person yet. Some people are more involved in their day to day. Some people are are very business focused, and by reading your publications and going to your events and saying, hey, this is everything that's happening, but how can we use it to improve our bottom line, become more efficient, and at the end of the day, make more money, then uh, then that's probably what it's what it's all about. Do you, so do, do you think that anything for you uh, personally, you, you started eight years ago in 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the biggest challenge? I mean, you, you stepped into this organization. It was established. People had expectations. Um, was, was, that, was that difficult for you, stepping in and filling those shoes and keeping the train moving forward um, in a changing time, especially with, with CFPB coming around? Was that, was that something that was difficult? Because I, I would imagine that it, that it could be. Yeah, it was. It was coming in, you know, coming in the door and not being from the industry. People would ask me, why did you buy October Research? And I, you know, had to say that my experience in the real estate space was I sold a house, bought a house, and refinanced, you know. So needless to say, I had a lot to learn. But, you know, coming in, it's anytime you buy a business, you have to sit back and just watch, listen, and learn for the first, you know, three, six months and don't change things because they're happening for a reason. Um, but was very fortunate coming in the door because October Research had the respect 
and in the industry and people knew the company, trusted the company. And so we had a leg up coming in the door, um, you know, with all of the different sources that we work with um, across the publications. We've built that trust over the years. So it was continue that and continue moving forward, you know, in the critical part. Today, it's all in the publishing world. It's all about clicks and and open rates and getting all these numbers. Where, you know, yes, those are important, but education is is our primary objective. Because if we can, you know, help educate all the professionals in the industry that are that are doing the closings and and, and writing these loans and you know handling their responsibilities we're prote- we're doing our part to help protect the consumer and anything we can do to help educate those involved in the process that's that's who we are and what we do so um, I've been fortunate. It came in at the right time, um, you know, coming off of 2011. It was a tough, tough time for the industry, um, but I also stepped in at the right time where we it was, you know, rebuilding. Right, right. Let's let's talk about let's talk about NS3 now. Not everyone knows what that is. Uh, NS3 stands for the National Settlement Services Summit. It's always a very well-attended event. Uh, it's one that uh, I know most people look forward to going to. Um, this year, I believe it's in Phoenix, right? Yeah, we're going to be at the Arizona Biltmore in Phoenix, Arizona from June 18th through the 20th. Great. And if someone wants to know a little bit more about NS3, or is it too late to sign up, or can they, can they sign up now to attend they can sign up on site. So we'll, we'll get as many people as we can uh, get to Phoenix to enjoy the conference with us and uh, enjoy all the networking and education that we have um, planned. Excellent, excellent. So I know, that, you know networking is a, is a big thing. As a matter of fact, uh, there was a couple of quotes on your blog about NS3, and you know people talk about the education and also the networking. I think it's something that a lot of people in the industry are driving. Right? They're saying, "Hey, get out, leave the office." You know, not everything can be done, you know, via webinar. Right? Get out and meet people mm-hmm. and network with them. So, what what do you think a good example of um, a good maybe a good story, or what do you hope to get out of people getting to together so because from an outsider and i'm not an outsider but you know, roland here next to me <laughs> is uh say hello roland hi um you know people might say hey listen you know i'm networking with my competitors and and that, that's an interesting thing i think that you can learn a lot from your competition um but nonetheless you're, you're networking with competitors and of course there's other industry players and underwriters and all kinds of interesting people and products and, and technology and speakers. Uh, so when, when we talk about networking at an event like NS3, um, what would be a, a good example of the types of people that should be speaking to one another? Well, you know, what, what makes NS3 unique is we have the ability, because of the five publications and working across the real estate transaction, we have the ability to pull all those parties that work in the real estate transaction together at one place. You have your home builders, your realtors, your lenders, your title agents, underwriters, um, all the technology companies, the attorneys. It's getting everybody together um, to get business done. Truly, at the end of the day, it's about getting business done. And having everybody at one place um, in an industry, the title industry, it's a family reunion, really. Every NS3, you see all the hugs, everybody's getting hugs, which I thought was kind of weird when I first joined the industry, but now I get it. Um, everybody knows everybody and in the title space. So uh, if you don't know somebody, you'll be able to find somebody to do those introductions and to sit down at a meeting with all those different parties to really collaborate and and figure out a solution moving forward. Um, Everybody's so busy in their day-to-day life that you don't get a lot of opportunities to sit down face-to-face at a table and, and work things out. Um, and, you know, figure out solutions for moving forward. So that's one of the key elements of NS3. We have so many networking opportunities because 
that's really a critical piece of going to a conference. If you're just going to go back to your hotel room and not get out there and, you know, network and, and meet new people, um, you're only getting a portion of what a, a conference has to offer. That makes that makes a lot of sense. So let me ask you this: if maybe a smaller title company or or, or maybe a mid-sized company, and I say those because you know all, all the large important people are going to be there. So you know your 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 run-of-the-mill salt-of-the-earth title company says, you know what. I've never been to NS3 before, but I'm going to make it about me. But I heard about this on Greg's podcast, and now, you know, Erica and Greg have convinced me. I want to go to NS3, right? So they, they, mm-hmm. they go to NS3, they travel out to Phoenix, they, maybe they network, they go to the sessions, and they come back to their office, right? They're sitting around and they're eating lunch, and the office is there. And someone says, hey, you, you went to NS3. Um, tell me about that. What, what, would you want that. what would you hope that person's answer was? I would hope that their answer was they learned a lot. They walked away with deliverables and tools that they can bring back to their team in the office to educate, implement, and train. And... Uh, network and meeting new people and being able to have direct contacts with additional folks and, you know, partners that we work with over the phone. Um, now you've got a face-to-face interaction with them, um, you know, to, to collaborate moving forward. So, so building that Rolodex, putting a name to a face, mm-hmm. and really coming, mm-hmm. coming away with something that... Um, that you didn't know before, which kind of allows me to transition into into my next set of questions. Really, is so. Let's talk about you. What 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 do people not know about you? You know, you you made it happen, right? You're you're the person. I know you have a team as well, right? And I've I've been to these these events, and, and they they go off really well. But behind the scenes. I, I've seen you. you. You're you're working hard. You're you're running around here, running around there, and I'll never forget. You know, there there was an NS3. I think the hotel, and it wasn't your fault. You know, the air conditioning went out, and um, you, oh, you, no. <laughs> but yeah. but you know what, Erica, you went out personally. <laughs> you went out personally, and you made sure that all the vendors had fans. And, and you put them all, you know, so that is just a phenomenal example of, you know what, life happens and you have no control over that. That's not anything that could have been forecasted, prevented or anything, but you responded. I'll, I'll never forget it. We're hot. And I'm like, oh, look, Erica and her, and her team, they went out and they got fans and they're setting it up. And, you know, of course, there, there aren't plugs for electricity over there. But, you know, there was a problem. It was reacted to. And I, I got to admit personally, and I, I'm not just doing this to be a sycophant or anything like that. Uh, anyone that knows me would, would knows I'm not a sycophant. But I was very impressed. I was very impressed by the way that you handled that. And I think that's one example. So, you know, what are some of the challenges that you, what you face going into an event uh, in order to pull it off so well? Because uh, it's not easy. No, no. It, it, there's a there's a lot of little details, and I think that's one of the things. It's paying attention to the little details that make a big difference um, in the conference. And, and uh, behind the scenes, we all have, we call it our run order, and we know where every person is at all points of time, what they're working on, what their assignment is, and it's in five, ten minute increments for the entire time that we're in Phoenix. So, um, you know, we make sure that all those little things that uh, make a big difference in the end, you know, it's the Nordstrom effect. That's what we strive for. It it truly, at the end of the day, it's the Nordstrom effect. If somebody doesn't have a cell phone charger, we're going to find one. Um, Whatever you need, and you know, as you mentioned, when the electricity goes out yes i was the crazy person in my suit <laughs> climbing under things to plug in fans but uh you know that's that's kind of the way we do it whatever it takes to make it the best possible experience for everybody that that's there that's you know it's amazing how many little things between the staging details and you know we've had some uh challenges with getting some of the uh, staging details and put together this year and uh, you know it's it's just long days and nights but um, very fortunate to have 
the team that we have here. And, you know, everybody is passionate about what we're doing. This is our big event, and uh, we take a lot of pride in it. We're on adrenaline buzz heading out after NS3 because we just, you know, we always walk away feeling like we just knocked it out of the park. So that might sound a little arrogant, but it's pretty exciting walking away from there when, when people are excited. And, you know, we have so many people that come back every year. So, um, you know, it's just continue improving on, on what you're doing. Right. Well, I, I think the results speak for themselves. You know, the results speak for themselves. You, you guys do a great job, and it's the little things that, that make the difference. And, you know what, it's the little things that that people notice. So um, I, I, I completely agree. One Here's a question, Erica. What would be the one thing that nobody really knows about you that, uh, that that you think sharing today would um, would be interesting for folks to know. Let, let's spend a, just a minute or two on you. So you're, oh, um, <laughs> you're, you're a successful CEO. You're a successful publisher. You, you, you took on the challenges of the title industry, which in of itself is not an easy thing to do. You have great publications and, and, and great events. Uh, you know, who who is Erica Meyer? What, what don't we know? Hmm. Let's see. I, wow, that's a tough one. My, you want some crazy stuff. I went, Sure. I, I focused on, I graduated in pre-med. I took organic chemistry for no reason. And uh, here I am running a publishing company in the title space or in the you know real estate space so that one i'd like to take back but started in pre-med you know oh man i just bless anybody that does well and likes that stuff um but uh yeah so i started out in pre-med and and uh you know moved on to this i you know worked at ups for quite a while and and sears.com but i always knew that one day i wanted to uh buy a business and uh, just want to wait for the right one to come along. I come from a family of entrepreneurs, so I'm, I'm very fortunate to have a lot of, I guess, mentors um, to reach out to and, and to ask questions um, of. But um, let's see, I ran track in high school. I'm from a town of 1,500, so we had to play a lot of sports. I did uh, basketball, cheerleading. Really? Yeah, I was I was a very tall cheerleader, and we didn't have to do flips like they do nowadays. I wouldn't have survived that. But, uh, yep, basketball, volleyball, track, cross-country, cheerleading. I think that's it. I did it all. <laughs> you're, so. you're the all-American CEO, that's for sure. Um, we're we're coming up on our, our uh, end here. Um, October research described in one word. What is it? Hmm. One word. Can one I word. pick two? Three you can, words. Right, we'll, give, we'll, we'll give you a couple of words. Three. Do I get three? Education you can trust. Love it. Is that is that your slogan? No. Is it your new slogan? But that was one. It might be. I, I kind of like that. That was uh, one I had to come up with there. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. And, and you know what? One final question. October. I understand what research is. I understand the month of October. Is there any special significance to that name? Yes, there is. Uh, Joe Casa loved you too the band U2 in October Rain, and he also had his first grandchild in October. So that's how they came up with October, and they had to figure out a word to go with October. So they threw research on there. Wow. That's interesting. I don't think a lot of people know that. Very Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you very much. Uh, this has been Erica Meyer, CEO and publisher of October Research, the company that is known for education that you can trust. You heard it here first. Um, they publish the title report, RESPA News, the legal description, Dodd-Frank Update, the valuation review. They have an excellent blog. They also offer... 
uh, webinars that I believe everyone should tune into for relevant information for the land title and settlement services and related industries. And you can uh, go to their store at www.octoberresearch.com and also learn more about them. Uh, it just says October store right here, so that's what it looks like it is. Um, what else should people know? Where, where, where to begin? So you've never, you've never, you have money to purchase one publication and you're inspired. And uh, what do you do next, Erica? Where, where do you sign up for this? Octoberresearch.com is the website, and we have information on each of the publications, um, along with the webinars and our upcoming NS3 conference. So if not, please feel free to give us a call in the office. We're always happy to uh, talk to everybody and see what we can do. So. Excellent. Any, yep. And just one thing: any sources, any ideas on on uh, topics, education tools that that the industry is looking for, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear your ideas. Um, you know, we don't do the job, but we want to write about it and make sure that the information is relevant. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Erica. We appreciate you having uh, having you on the show. So I'm a, you're a great speaker. I, I sit here and I fumble my words and. This is, uh, I'm not a professional podcaster yet, but uh, thank you so, so much, Erica. I think that uh, we all learned uh, a lot from having you on today. We wish you uh, the best and continued success, and we look forward to seeing you at NS3. Yeah, thank you for having me today, and I welcome everyone that would like to sit down and uh, further discuss business at the Welcome or to join us at the fishing hole sponsored by Mortgage Fish at NS3. Oh, the fishing hole. That, that's true. Mortgage yeah. Fish is sponsoring the fishing hole. And um, we will be there um, at NS3. So that's a, that's a good thing to know. Definitely stop by the fishing hole. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Erica. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to wrap up the show. You work hard, you solve problems, you go above and beyond for your customers and your employees. You take calls from your car, your office, and your home, sharing information, closing deals, and moving your company forward. As a problem solver, you deserve the very best in business communications. Whether you're looking to connect with customers, connect offices together, or connect while on the go, the people you speak with are the lifeblood of your business. That's why when it's time to connect with those that matter most, it's time to choose Teletonics Communications. Teletonics Communications provides the freedom to work how and when you want from wherever life may take you. From phones and fax to video and collaboration, you'll find comfort in knowing that taking the next step has never been easier. Learn more at www.teletonics.com or call us at 800-792-VOIP. That's 800-792-8647. That just about wraps us up for this week's episode of Gregory McDonald Unfiltered. Coming up in next week's episode, we're going to be talking about the cloud on your terms. Uh, we'll learn what to look for when choosing a cloud provider and what questions to ask. And more specifically, we're going to take a deep dive into data centers. Uh, people have heard of Amazon, web services, uh, Microsoft, Google, and of course, these services are all delivered out of uh, the secure facility known as a data center. We will be interviewing Jack Kason, Director of U.S. Operations for Cologics Data Centers. Jack has about 18 years of experience laying fiber optic networks that many of your companies uh, use to get through the internet and conduct business with. And now he's the director of U.S. operations for CoLogic. So we look forward to learning more about data centers from Jack. Also, we're going to be talking to some attorneys, uh, including Mark Sturbkow. And Mark is the managing attorney in the New Orleans-based law firm Sturbcal Law. And his area of practice is focused generally around RESPA, mortgage fraud, enforcement actions, uh, compliance, fair lending, uh, TILA regulation, and other um, 
interesting things that we're going to want to talk about. And then finally, we're going to wrap it up with understanding a little bit more about sock controls. Yep. And for you that don't know much about sock and what sock is, essentially it's an auditing procedure that ensures the service providers, i.e. your cloud providers, IT providers, anyone that handles the information of your company and the privacy of your clients should be and needs to be SOC compliant. And we'll be talking more about that in a future episode. And we'll wrap it all together. We'll talk about what makes the data center, what makes the cloud, an attorney's perspective, and then delve right into compliance trying to deliver the entire big picture. Thank you very much for tuning in, and we will talk to you later. Thanks. Gregory McDonald Unfiltered is a production of M20 Media LLC. It is produced by Wayne Thompson. Music is courtesy of Dezus. Voiceover talent provided by Jonathan Lumen. If you have a question or a suggestion for an upcoming topic, we invite you to write to us at podcast at m20media.com. Listen to Gregory McDonald Unfiltered on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.